Welcome back to Fitness or Fiction, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the hype of the health and fitness industry. Every week, we dig into a new topic and help you wade through the real information to make solid decisions on your fitness journey. Three, two, boom, we're live. Welcome back, sir. You ready to talk today? Yes, fitness or fiction. Today, we want to wrap our minds around injury and perhaps your mindset on how you should approach your injuries before you actually like again it's a compounding thing of my i myself when i experienced my injuries i slowly but surely got more negative as it did not improve dealing with injury baggage injury baggage checking yeah. oneself before riggedy wrecking oneself yeah and the trick with like the, the funny thing with injuries too is like you know the memory kind of remains yeah we've talked about this concept before where you get more of what you've got neurologically speaking your brain is going to run patterns it knows and that's why you want to make sure that your inputs are good and that's not just you know movement wise we're talking about you know things that you consume for a lot of people things like social media does that make you feel good or bad and i'm actually indifferent towards the whole concept it's not anything it's just there it's how does it make you feel mm-hmm. um so, but this is kind of a, a topic that's near and dear to my heart because you and me have this kind of tie that binds on on injury and what it taught us as a personal trainer, not only about exercise and dealing with clients, but also about the process going through it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And for those of, of you that might not have listened to kind of my story, how I ended up in the fitness industry, it really started out with like a really really annoying back injury that no one could really tell me how to fix. And when I found somebody that could, I was kind of pissed off at how, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say easy, at how straightforward the approach was. It's like, why doesn't anybody else know this? Yeah. And so I think it's really important as we were talking about what do people need to hear? You and I both have a lot of clients that are, have a variety of things to overcome. Mm-hmm. And so getting into this concept of how do I deal with injury? How do I look at what's happening? And how do I avoid the pitfall of learned helplessness? The topic is, is really learned helplessness. Yeah. My story with my injury was I was always an athlete, essentially, until I tweaked my back doing some heavy squats that I probably wasn't prepared for. And the injury just remained long term and nobody really seemed to have the answer, like looking at chiropractors, massage therapists and... Uh, more experienced trainers everyone's approach to it was kind of like it was a very light-hearted like don't touch it approach like just like no just leave it don't don't don't, shh, don't touch it and that in my opinion was one of the worst things for it because it just got worse like my injury specifically like my my sciatica pain like the numbness and tingling down my leg and i would go and like i would go into the basement and think that i need to foam roll it and uh, use a lacrosse ball and dig into the tissue and stretch it and it would give me like i don't even know if it was giving me relief maybe just in my brain because i thought i was doing the right things that i was having a small placebo effect but i don't i don't think it was helping i'll tell you man having a lacrosse ball in there that's gonna hurt more than it hurts on its own yeah yeah exactly (laughs) the old major pain fix yeah exactly break the baby finger you won't think about the other thing so yeah like i started working with you you kind of bumped into me and said that you'd fix it and we started moving and your approach was very much of the mindset of like we need to kind of like we need to move again and we need to teach him that it's okay to move again. Yeah. And he's not going to learn that unless he actually does it. So like starting off again with like light deadlifts and things like that, that I was like nervous. I'm like, Curtis, this is, this is uncomfortable. And we're like, oh, it's okay. You're in a good position though. Kind of like work with it a little bit. Like you got to have a conversation between the two of you. Oh, like, the three words I heard from you all the time were, are you sure? Because you had been dealing with avoidance. 
And I was like, no, we got to go through this. And we, yeah. it's not going to be like we're going to try to crush through a brick wall. I'm, I'm looking at having a conversation with mm. that tissue. Like, what can you tolerate? Let's go further. And that was, that was the mindset that my first trainer really helped me with after, after the car accident and all that. So, so yeah, getting into this, the, the concept really is what happens when you rewire your brain into a depth spiral, meaning a negative get, spiral. Yeah, you get more of what you've got because the cycle is pushing you more that direction. And I think before we talk about like the rewiring, how it gets rewired negatively, the regular wiring then in our brain is, is like you're kind of taught that if, if you do good things and you work hard, good things will happen for you. And if you do bad things and you're mean to people, then bad things will happen to you. So in an exercise approach to me anyways, how I was thinking of it is, you know, like if you're taught like this is how you squat, this is how you brace your core and this is how you lift. And if, if you do it perfectly all the time, you're all good. It's never going to get hurt. You'll never get tweaked. But the fact of the matter is, is sometimes like something might slip up or sometimes like adaptation requires you to push outside of your comfort zone a little bit and actually break a little bit of forward. Like you can't have adaptation without some kind of breakdown. And with that breakdown come like, you know, essentially shit happens and something might slip up and you might deal with some kind of tweak or some kind of injury, even yeah. though everything was perfect. Yeah, I think the, the thing that we're talking about is foundational cause and effect. Like I'm teaching William and Lucas right now. You practice something, you typically get better. And they're not really at the age yet where I need to talk about perfect practice makes perfect. I don't need to get there yet. That's next level. It's more... Hey, so you want to be a faster runner, do you? Okay, well, you should probably start by running more. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. And then they say things to you like, it's working. I'm getting faster. You're like, yeah, that's how life works. And, and this is kind of a foundational cause and, effect, uh, cause and effect relationship. And teaching kids how that works is very important because then they understand, well, you want to be good at X, Y, and Z. It's going to take some investment to get there. And the amount invested typically lines up with the the outcome typically not always but that's a foundational relationship but then you have somebody that gets injured has some sort of unexplained autoimmunity issue has um, challenges with their with their weight or, or self-image or um, a variety of these things but today we're focusing on more the injury side it's like well i've had this and i've had this for a long time then they start getting to this point where it's like well i've tried everything and nothing's working i'm gonna give up yeah so that kind of, I think, again, for me, you're doing all the right things, but then you get injured anyways. So that kind of tweaks your brain. And I think that makes people a little bit more cautious being like, oh, I, I was doing all the right things, I think. And then they can kind of personalize the issue. So if you have somebody who's doing real, like decent squats, decent deadlifts, or just decent technique in general, and they hurt themselves, um, they might personalize and think that, oh, it's me. It's my body. My body wasn't built to squat. I wasn't built to deadlift. Oh, my hips are too long or I'm too tight or whatever the case may be. So with this concept of learned helplessness, it's like essentially like you train yourself to be helpless. You, you train yourself to give up. And that's, again, you did all the right things, but you still got knocked down. So the first P is personalizing it, being like, ah, oh, it's, it's me. I'm the one that got screwed up. Yeah, so... I think it's the easiest way to say what learned helplessness is. It's when you put in what are the perceived right steps and the outcome is the opposite. Whereas yeah. you're still going the direction you don't want to go. Yeah. So when I, it was hard for me dealing with my injury when I personalized it as well, because I went through these three P's, the P, the first one is personalized. I felt I was the only trainer in the club 
who had a tweaked back. And then I felt like I was training clients who were deadlifting more than me and I couldn't show them how to do it. And it felt terrible to be like, oh, you know, guys, I can't, I can't help you clean the bar up because my yeah. back smokes. So you, you got to do it. I'm like, man, why am I the only trainer? Like I must not know what I'm doing. I'm screwed up. So yeah, the three P's we're going to talk about is to any trauma like this. Yes. This is from a book called plan B. I ran into it first. Um, but you'll you'll run into it in in books by Henry Cloud, and you'll you'll see it in a variety of places. But yeah, um, after my diagnosis, I was looking into how to deal with challenges, and Plan B was a, a book where uh, this lady's husband had a sudden heart attack, and she was left with two bi- two kids, and she had a really uh, challenging career in the first place, like a really high level career, and so she started talking about the three Ps of trauma and you know the first one is personalization where it's you know it's my fault so you know this must be because i did x y and z why do i deserve this those sort of concepts and then you'll deal with pervasiveness which is like well this sucks so everything sucks like with the back injury you'll be like well my back hurts so i can't do anything all of life sucks i'm always in pain yeah to that point i 100 percent experienced that as well personally i can't speak for yours but I reached a point where the trainers, like, I started slowing my workouts down. I wasn't even lifting as much anymore. And the guys were like, you know, Steve Chambers at the club was like, yo, Eric, bro, you got to do something, man. I was like, Bob, my back hurts, Steve. He's like, well, just bench press then, man. Like, go and bench and do arms. And I'm like, well, my back hurts when I bench press too, though. Like, I feel it. You know what I mean? Because my core is trying to stabilize and brace. I'm like, oh, but everything sucks now. All of my workouts sucks because my one thing smoked. Like, somebody has a bum shoulder. Like, oh, my, my shoulder smoked. So I can't exercise. That's right. And they won't do legs. They won't do core. No mobility. Like just cut out everything almost. Well, and pervasiveness almost always leads to the the third piece. So we have personalization, pervasiveness. And then the third one is is this concept of permanence. This is a really interesting one because, you know, how do you talk to somebody about permanence who their issue is not going away? Yeah. That's, that is a different topic for another day that we can maybe talk about, but one of the things that we deal with is, okay, well, I've had back pain for 10 years and I have multiple clients that they have back pain and they've had it for 10 years. And one of my clients, Steph O'Gara, she's, when she came to see me, she was like, I don't think I can do anything. She was dealing with these three Ps in a big way and it had become part of her personality. It was so personalized that when she was getting better, she had people telling her, hey, listen, you shouldn't do that. You're going to hurt your back. Yeah. And she's been pain-free for part a couple of her years identity. Now. Yeah. yeah. And she, somebody will say that, and she's like, listen, I'm not that person anymore. So overcoming this stuff ends up being changing the perspective of who you are for sure. But the concept of permanence, it's, it's really important that people know, like, well, okay, let's say you do have degenerative discs, which a lot of people have degenerative Welcome discs. Welcome to all the humans. Yeah, if you're over 35, you're going to see some degenerative changes. Um, but people hear that, and once they're... Once their challenge is pathologized, then all of a sudden that almost lets this process run amok. Yeah. It's painful for me as a trainer and as a person who cares about people dealing with pain because I know what it was like um, and still know what it's like from time to time. With that permanence aspect, it's it's almost like a sense of giving up. It's people like, oh, you know, like I had my injury before I met you. I had my injury for a long time and I saw Kairos physios. I got shockwave, Graston, IMS needles, like the whole shebang. Like you throw the kitchen sink at it and nothing was really doing anything because I wasn't moving. I was getting all these treatments done and then I would be like, okay, take it easy now. 
now I have to take it real easy and don't do anything. And reaching this point or state of permanence where it's it's not going to get better. It's just smoked. It's just smoked. Yeah, and the three words that are the worst in that phase is, I've tried everything. Yeah. When you hear that, you know what they're dealing with. They're dealing with permanence. Yeah, it's, it's again, <clears throat> giving up. Like, just giving up. So I wanted to... You know, these three P's in this sense of learned helplessness, like I told you earlier, I learned it out of the book, um, Boundaries for Leaders, that you recommended me a long time ago. Henry Cloud, yeah. And I actually utilize it in more of a sales aspect, business aspect. I never really translated it to injuries. But like you said, it can be translated into essentially all traumas. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, identify with their traumas. So I wanted to discuss it because I think the way to, like the number one way to escape this trapped thought of personalizing it everything's wrong it's never going to get better the only way to break that cycle number one for me and what the book said anyways was awareness if you don't have awareness on it if you're not aware there's a problem how are you going to fix it it's the same as movement man like you have dysfunction at a joint if you don't have awareness of or sensation of that area you can't fix it if you don't have awareness of what issue it is you need to deal with or, or a strategy identified, how can you fix it? This, this fits in perfectly with movement. Awareness is kind of where it starts. Yeah. And so the question would be, how do you identify that you're dealing with these three things? So just go through the three Ps. How do you identify that you're dealing with personalization, for example? Yeah. Personalization is going to be when you're, when you're starting to have thoughts of? Yourself. Yeah, it's like this This injury transcends the injury. It's now because I deserve it or because I did something wrong or because of this. Like none of that matters. Yeah. doesn't matter. All of that can be left behind and it can still be dealt with. It's like, okay, so yes, the outcome that you're dealing with right now is pain in your shoulder. You don't need to tell me the structure. That's okay. It's fine. You have pain in the shoulder. Okay. That isn't your fault. It might be something you did, might be something that happened in the past, but for right now, that doesn't help us to drop it. Who cares? That's what you're dealing with. So what's the next step forward? And then it comes into the other two aspects. If that's, if that's the personalization, what, what's the concept for pervasiveness? How would somebody recognize that they're dealing with that? I think that's just a general mindset thing to me because that's that's a pinnacle of negativity when pervasiveness being like everything's wrong as soon as you can like identify or have the uh I don't know that like connection with yourself to be able to have that awareness for me it requires meditation or journaling to actually kind of catch negative thoughts but it's almost like a habit like the more you can actually catch and be aware of your own conscious thoughts the quicker they, they call that mindfulness yeah right like mindfulness and that's why meditation has a big kick nowadays because mindfulness is being aware of your thoughts so if you can catch yourself being super negative you can catch it and again that awareness of it yeah well and the other concept would be what can i do yeah like for me i don't have as an option to go for a run today for my workout mm-hmm. if that was something i focused on i'd feel really upset it would be something that would really beat me up because I don't have that. It's not an option. Yeah. But it's like, well, I have a lot, almost infinite other opportunities that I can utilize. Yeah. And I think probably taking that path is, is a way better um, strategy than allowing the pervasiveness of, well, I can't do this, so I can't do anything. Yeah. And that is, I would say, one of the main things that I see loud and clear from people. It's like, oh, I, well, you know, the doctor said I need to rest. It's like, yeah, listen, take five minutes and go on Scholar Google and type up 
back pain and exercise. And you're going to find out that laying there does you harm. Yeah. It's not going to help you get better. So no, that's not an option. So what can you do? Let's start there. Yeah. Right? And I think a lot of people have a hard time even just, even just starting there. Even when you say it right now, it's still hard. Not for me to like, for me to grasp it. You know, it's so simple. It's simple, but not easy. Yeah. It's one of those things that to battle that in a lot of situations where you're starting to feel overwhelmed, like nothing's going well to just like, they call it actually in the book that I read, it was, I didn't keep it in these summarized notes, but it was called the control and divide exercise. Yeah. It's like divide. Okay. Well, let's control the situation. Let's divide up the crap that you can't do. And let's divide up the crap you can do. And now crumple up the list that you can't do. Cause you don't need it. And look at the stuff that you can do and then get after it. And that goes for, like you said, all traumas, like even thinking here, like on the, on the fly, like finances, if somebody's struggling financially, like, oh, it's because of this bill and this and this and this and this and this. Cool. But what can you do? Yeah. Well, like there's a guy named, um, I think it's Mike Lipkin that he has all these Lipkinisms of things that he, that he talks about. And he's like, yeah, kill King Kong when he's a baby. It's like when there's a task, you want to get it done before it becomes a big issue. Yeah. And he has a whole bunch of stuff that he says that, that makes sense like that. But one of the things that he'd often talk about is you shouldn't should on yourself. Yeah. It's like, well, I should have, I could have. And it's like, no, no, listen, the situation that you're in right now, we don't need to talk about all the causality unless it's going to help you making decisions going forward. Mm -hmm. For right now, what can you control? Well, I can control in the financial aspect. I can control my spending right now. And some people can control their income a little bit. Yeah. It's like, okay, so let's start with those two things. What are you going to do to move the right direction? Yeah. And, and with fitness, this is what I see often. It's really easy to go and do a bunch of courses and say, well, here's the best stuff to do. And here's how you execute perfectly. It's like, listen, if I have an option between nothing and something, the answer is something. Because I care about people and I care about progress for them. So what's something that I can do today that I will do today? Mm-hmm. That it's going to get you way further than, than going down this spiral of, well... I do this and it's supposed to make me better, but it hurts. It's like, cool. So maybe don't do that. Yeah. I, I know it sounds dumb. And to your point, you know, some stuff that sounds simple is far from easy. And I get that. But um, getting out of this spiral is like, okay, well, A, it's, it's not my fault, but I can probably set up some decisions that I can make going forward that are going to help rather than hinder. Beautiful. Then, I know that this is not going to impact everything. So what are the parts of this that I can actually still engage with the world that I want? And that deals with that pervasiveness. And then the permanence thing is like, well, if I continually take these right steps, then what I'm going to see is results in the right direction or an idea that doesn't work, which is why when I take on a new client that's having a lot of uh, pain or dysfunction that they've had for a long time, I say, listen, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that I can fix you. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to take you along the pathway to getting better because that's my goal. So I'm going to identify here's our strategy right now. And then we're going to check in to see if that's getting us the right direction. And if it's not, it doesn't mean that everything's screwed. It means we've learned something that doesn't work, which is beautiful. Yeah. We step onto the next strategy as long as we've identified the strategy. Yeah. So my final <laughs> note here was like, it's like a five point bullet list of reversing this learned helplessness, like this pattern behavior that rewired your brain. Number one was like create connections um, that could be in this state, it could be creating connections with new practitioners who might be beneficial or helpful towards towards your injury, people who know more than you, who you trust or who is recommended. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and I think talking about red flags with those connections is maybe something we've chatted about in previous episodes. Like, how do you know that the person's actually good? Those are Mm -hmm. previous episodes you can look into. Regaining control and taking a note or awareness of those three P's on how you're actually feeling. And then adding structure and accountability, exactly what you just said. I'm echoing everything. And then the fifth one was just taking that action, if you will, with accountability, support, and structure. So you can actually learn... This didn't work perfect. We know we know something new now. Yeah, and I would say that like the, that five list of, that list of five things is fantastic and it all hinges around the concept of engagement. How engaged am I in making sure I'm moving forward to the next step? Mm-hmm. Cuz sometimes that that is like the the linchpin. And the linchpin is the thing that you pull out of a grenade so that it's activated and you throw it and it goes off. I love it in movies. It's important. Yeah. Once you pull the pin, (laughs) something's going to happen. And then they put it back in, right? (laughs) Like last second. (laughs) I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't think grenades work that way. You can't can't put the linchpin back in? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe if you haven't left Leave us a comment if you're an army brat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But yeah, engaging in the issue to make sure that you're taking the right steps forward. You know, a lot of people will write off, I've tried everything. It's like, did you 100% engage in that? It did. Can you say you gave that 100% effort and you followed it to the T? If the answer is no, sometimes you haven't actually ruled that puppy out. So really important. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, a tight little episode, at least on some people's mindset. Like, I don't know, expanding their consciousness on just like, or awareness on their injuries and to be mindful of their thoughts because they can get toxic real fast and take you down a rabbit hole where you just quit. You just stop. Yeah, the one thing that I would say before we get off is it doesn't really matter what's going on. If somebody wants to take away your hope, they're like, yeah, you can't change that. That's just how it is. Um, find somebody else. You can take a lot of things from me, but not my hope. And a lot of things uh, with the body, they don't even know what you can accomplish if you go hard enough in, in a good direction. So your potential for recovery is infinitely more than people would give you credit for. Yeah. I think my final thoughts, honestly, is like anyone who's experiencing this kind of shit is like you don't need to identify with it to the point where it becomes part of your identity when people are like, oh, Curtis, watch your back, buddy. got to be careful. Curtis got Curtis to back back, everyone. Like you're like moving stuff in the house like, oh, just announced to everyone that I'm weak and I can't do anything. Like identifying with these issues, these injuries, I a whole other topic you are not your condition and that is a topic for another day i think that's a big one yeah Mm -hmm. anyways thank you for listening we hope you guys enjoyed this little roundabout discussion on injury yeah i think it's valuable valuable for me and anyone listening if you have anything specific you'd like to uh, like us to address going forward please drop us a comment you know follow like subscribe all those things and we will uh, see you next week Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, follow, and throw us a like on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts.